Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections PPPs. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Going through one offensive player, one defensive player, doing an episode every weekday until game week. Justin, how are you? And are you how excited are you to talk about Golden Tate? Oh boy. Oh boy. Golden Tate, I view as a very complicated player, and I think I'm the one that makes him complicated partially, and I'm the one that makes him controversial in terms of his role on the team. But we're going to have a fun conversation, Bobby Skidder, because I know a lot of people love him. A lot of people like big plays. But again, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick a little bit at how we watch football. So Golden yeah. Tate's going to be one of those conversations. Did you know that Golden Tate, was? Uh, uh, he played baseball for Notre Dame. He was drafted by a baseball team. That's my fun fact about Golden Tate. Cool. Yeah. You don't like Golden Tate because he doesn't like produce the way uh you like I him want. to produce. That's the that's my <laughs> biggest issue with analytics guy. Like, yeah, he produced, but didn't do it the way I like it. And one um which is like I got a big ego, I'm willing to admit uh, it. Uh, all right, so let's talk about Golden Tate. Five foot ten, 197 pounds, thirty-two years old. In two thousand ten, he was the sixtieth overall pick in the NFL draft in the second round. Justin, his contract, four years, $37.5 million. Um, this is year two of that. There is an out after the season where it would be $4 million of dead cap, and they would save $6 million of cap space. So um, not like a total out, but an out. Like if he, if he gets cut next year, and if like if he doesn't perform and he gets cut next year, we're not freaking out about dead cap because it saves us money. It, it sets us up to make a move. Justin, in 11 games with the New York Giants after a four-game suspension for PEDs, he played 11 games. He had one game where he missed against Green Bay after a concussion in Chicago. He had 49 catches, 676 yards, six touchdowns, 13.8 yards per catch. Justin, at a 16-game rate, that would be 71 catches, 983 yards, and nine touchdowns. I mean, what are your, what are your thoughts on the tape, man? All right, I want to I want to dive into some numbers first. I want to continue with this numbers theme and then I want to have like this, you know, whole nuanced conversation. So, catch rate in 2019 was the lowest in his career besides his rookie season, but his yards after reception, but his yards per reception was almost 14. Bobby already said both of those stats, which he hasn't had a season like that since 2012 to 2014. 2013, 2014 were two of his best years that he had in Seattle. So, his average depth of target, however, was almost 10 yards, which was equal to Sterling Shepard. So you would think somebody who is averaging 14 yards per reception that they're getting maybe more of a depth of target. They're being targeted a little bit further down the field. But take, for example, Darius Slate and his average depth of target was 14 yards. So the fact that it was very similar to Sterling Shepard at 10 yards in terms of his depth of target. It's something that I guess, I don't know if it surprises me, but it's like one of those things I'm not very happy about, but there's a reason why there's such a discrepancy Jones between took the depth more of target to Tate than he did Shepard though. I'm just saying what the data is saying is that they were exactly the same. You can say that with your eye test about, okay, yeah, Tate. Yeah. But this average doesn't mean, you know, that's why they have median and mean, right? I mean, you know, because he could have, you know, he did get a lot of those little one yard, you know, zero one yard smokes and stuff like that. I don't know how right. many Shepard the got. screen, but the screen against the Jets that he took seventy yards. Right. You know, that's that's one of those. He should have been used in the screen game more. You can argue, um, but there's a reason why there's such a discrepancy between how he has a yards per reception at fourteen, but his average depth of target was ten yards. 
So that's good. You know, it's good. He's getting yards after the catch, and that's exactly what Golden Tate is best known for. Golden Tate is one of the best in the league in terms of his yards after the catch. We already know this, but more importantly, when you do look at the NFL next-gen stats in terms of expected yards after the catch, he overperforms what he is expected to do after the catch, which is huge. There's a way that NFL next-gen stats is able to try and track what you are expected to do with the ball in your hand. So it's a way to basically identify and isolate like scheme and individual player performance. So that's good. It means that your op means that Golden Tate was operating outside of the scheme, which is very very good. Now something else that's also significant, and my, and now this is where I get to really being a negative Nancy. According to Player Profiler, his contested catch rate was thirty seven percent, and himself and Darius Slayton was towards the bottom of the league when it comes to average separation. So Bobby. Why I harp on average separation so much over and over and over again when it comes to Golden Tate is because Daniel Jones was the guy who was faulted for holding on to the ball for too long last year. But at the end of the day, whether it was because of Shermer's predictable scheme and predictable route running by these wide receivers or the fact that some of our wide receivers just couldn't get open consistently besides Sterling Shepard, those things contributed to Daniel Jones holding on to the ball. If no one is open down the field, of course Jones is going to hold on to the ball, so he's the one that looks bad. And then just because Golden Tate is out here making these big plays and he's getting the yards after the catch, you know... He's looking better, and Jones is the one that's looking worse. All right, so let's talk about that with Jones because he played nine games with Jones. He had two games with, with Eli Manning, and those were like some of his worst yards games besides his debut against Minnesota where he didn't do much. So with Daniel Jones, he had nine games, 47 catches, 614 yards, five touchdowns. That at a 16-game rate and playing against good and bad competition, that's 84 catches, 1,092 yards, and nine touchdowns. So you could say about separation, but he was productive. He made big plays. Um, yeah, I don't, he's not going to be having the separation of a Julio Jones or anything, but out of the slot, he was productive. You usually can't go deep and like take chances with guys in the slot. Tate was able to do that on wheel routes, whether it was crossing routes against Philly, he was able to do that kind of stuff. So he was even more productive with Jones than he was Eli, who's quicker trigger, who... You know, you could say that the separation guys are better to work with is those shorter guys. Yeah, I think, honestly, the main point and the main critique is looking at role and it's also looking at efficiency. Whereas why I love Sterling Shepard and, you know, I'll dive more into Darius Slayton numbers when his PPP comes and why I kind of like Darius Slayton role better is because it's, it's very clear that his role is expand the, it's expand the field. It's very clear that Sterling Shepard's role is security blanket. I'm not going to be expecting Sterling Shepard to be expanding the field, getting yards after the catch, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not expecting that out of Sterling Shepard. But Golden Tate is like just in this in-between where I guess this is, I guess it's a good thing that he may not have a clearly defined role in any kind of way where I don't know what his role is. And in terms of his efficiency, it isn't the best. His role is to get catches, yards, and touchdowns, and that's what Golden Tate did as a New York Giant last year. Right. That's why it just wasn't at the same. It wasn't at the same rate, especially when you look at his resume. His resume is extremely impressive. Bobby. Well, he's thirty-two we years have old. Ninety. I know, but we have ninety catch years. We have catch rates of almost seventy percent every single year, stemming from going on like five, six, seven years in a row with multiple football teams, including Seattle and Detroit. So. That's what was mainly frustrating for me is I was expecting one thing out of a player and then we got another thing and it was kind of vastly different. But 
if he can continue to just make plays, you know, and I, I guess I can sacrifice if the catch rate is a little bit lower, if he's making those big plays, you know, have Sterling Shepard be the consistent one, have Darius Slayton, maybe even Darius Slayton could be the one to be a little bit more consistent in 2020 as well. Right. And yeah, I, I mean, I get the catch rate was down, but you know, you're playing with Eli and a rookie QB in Seattle. He had Russell Wilson, who everyone loves. And then Detroit, like in Detroit, he was really good. And he's 32 years old. He's not the, like, I, I do agree that he doesn't get the most separation in the world. But at, like, I don't think he's, at 32 years old, I don't think they expected him to be 2013, you know, getting a thousand yards or whatever it was. And Jones took a lot of chances too. You know what I'm saying? So like Jones forced like some stuff in there. So, I mean, I, I never really looked at Golden Tate and was like, man, he really screwed that up there. Now, there was times where I do agree. where In Chicago. I, that Chicago game, Bobby, I cannot tell you where I have this one play that's implanted in my brain where he's running over the middle. Maybe it's a drag route. Maybe it's a, an in route, you know, going towards the side from the opposite side of the field. And there is a there's nobody else in the middle of the field besides a linebacker, and he could not shake this linebacker. So... And you even talked about it at Roquan certain points Smith. last year. Yeah, you were even talking about it at certain points last year as well with Golden Tate about giving a lack of effort. So I like him as a player. He's he's a good player for the Giants, but I'm just here to tell everyone and try to be the one to like pump your brakes about how much value he actually does bring to the team. It's going to be Shep. It's going to be Slayton. Yeah, but I, I don't think that's a bad... Like he's He is the number three guy for me. I have Slayton and Shep ahead of him. Slayton might be a little more on potential. And what his role is, but I do have him behind it. But for a number three wide receiver, like I love that, and that is kind of the story yeah. with these Giants wide receivers. Is there's no like clear cut number one. It's a three. It's a trio of three good guys. None of them are like great. Um, we'll see what happens with Slayton. So I mean, at 32 years old, like I'm not mad at at, at Tate on his type of contract to be doing what he's doing for the New York Giants. Yeah. Love him. Love the big playability. I, I think. I think. I. Re- I really went and he's in there. swaggy. And I. He. He is. He is pretty swaggy. Oh, that. That sometimes it bug. He bugs me as a football player. So whenever he does certain things, that bugs me as well. Like walking in backwards in the end zone against New England. You don't New like England. that. I love that I stuff. That's Bobby's oh. Banff kind of stuff. I love that. It's Bobby's Banff. Mock the other team. Yeah. I. I can't believe you don't like that. I love that <laughs> with a passion. I love that kind well, of stuff. Like when people got if, mad at Odell. The stuff I didn't get mad at Odell was like peeing on the Eagles field. I thought that was an awesome celebration. I liked Odell. That's why I liked that. I didn't like Golden Tate. So that's why I didn't like that. So I know I have a bias. So you you know me. Again, we're fans. I have a bias against Golden Tate. Just know that heading into 2020. You can hate me for it. I hope you don't permanently hate me. But that's the one spot where I have a bias. And I will admit my bias. But what's the He's bias? Good. I don't He's a get good it. player. The bias is that I just don't, I don't fully like him as a football player. I don't like what he fully brings to the team. All right, well, I, I do. So, um, all right, let's uh, take a break and cut it to Darnay Holmes. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, Justin, let's talk about a rookie. The first, I think the first rookie of the player profile preview series, and it just got a lot more interesting because of the news that happened last night. It's Darnay Holmes cornerback out of UCLA 5 foot 10 192 pounds 22 years old he was picked in the fourth round by the New York Giants 
Justin, when he was picked, his role was not expected to be as big as we're expecting it now. At the Combine, he ran a 4-4-8-40. Deion Sanders, favorite guy at the Combine, was Darnay Holmes. Don't get too excited about that because Deion Sanders is one of those guys who just kind of hot takes it and doesn't really do his homework. And you know what? <laughs> if you have a career like him, you don't really need to do your homework like guys like us. Nonetheless, Darnay Holmes is a promising player. There's things you like. But man, he is getting pushed into a role that he might not be ready for to start off. Is that not uh, the theme of the New York football giants when it comes to cornerbacks uh, for the last, I feel like, however many years? Uh, putting cornerbacks in situations that which they're not ready for. Uh, cough, cough, Grant Haley. Cough, cough, Tevin Wade. Um, you can even say DeAndre Baker, but we have a, a lot of expectations for him. Um, but anyway. DeAndre Baker was not ready to not be a criminal. Ooh, too soon. Too soon. Uh, Darnay Holmes, the, the big like fun fact and the big story about him after the draft is that he had the nicest backdrop and it wasn't because it was a green screen. It was because he actually lives on like a ranch and it's like a big ranch. A lot of people wrote nice stories about it and I would like to go hang out there next offseason. So we'll go to Leonard Williams next offseason and then we'll make a stop no. and a pit stop back at Darnay Holmes' no. ranch next offseason. No? I'll go to Leonard Williams. You can go to the ranch. Ranch boy. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. I, I probably would be much more uh, relaxed at the ranch, and you like to do fun things anyway, like, you know, all the fishing and the jet skiing. Whenever and I like think that. of a ranch, I think of um, an old school, you know, Borat, when he did the show Ollie G. One of my Never favorite skits is him is he goes to a farm, and he's there's a veterinarian there, but the veterinarian also was a, a Vietnam veteran. Mm. And he's just like, he cannot understand the difference between a veterinarian a veteran and a veterinarian is messing with it. And then he'd hit him with like a, where are the tigers? He's like, it's not a zoo. It's a farm. He's like, well, do you have any uh, hippopotamus? It's like, it's not a zoo. It's a farm. Um, so whenever I think of a farm, I think of Ollie G, one of my favorite skits of his. So we'll be able to reenact that next off season. I'll make sure that Darnay Holmes and I make time to do that. Is this a cat in a hat? No, that's a tortoise in a shell. All right, Justin Darnay Holmes. Let's talk about him as a player, and then we'll talk about role. Went and watched all his stuff that's available after the draft. I guess he was playing with some sort of foot ankle injury in 2019. At first, I was very I was down because I was watching him against Washington State. He was playing on the outside, and he got bullied for a couple touchdowns. Like for most part, he was playing well, but there was two times where he got bullied on the outside playing press man. The guy got past him. And was able to body him for uh, two touchdowns. Didn't like that. Then I went and watched. I'm like, oh, there's film on him against Hollywood Brown and Kyler Murray from 2018. I got to see this. And he mirrored Hollywood Brown. So it was placing, you know, mostly the nickel. He was attacked four times. Zero completions, one interception, one pass uh, deflected. And he had a QB hit. He shut down Hollywood Brown. It wasn't just that he was like... Kyler wasn't going at Hollywood. He shut him down, and it he was, was in shadowing the slot. him. Just shadowed him. Like it, he balled in that game. So that took me from like, oh, maybe this guy. He's just supposed to be in the slot. And you hear on the draft day at the telecast. I remember Riddick saying, "Hey, this guy's not gonna be able to play outside. He's gonna be play slot." And I try to not judge things until I go and watch the guy. But I couldn't agree more with Lewis Riddick on there. And um, I'm not the biggest Lewis Riddick fan, anyway. So, but I did like that. Deion Sanders said he liked him. So, Justin, I think Darnay Holmes has potential. He's a smaller guy. He's going to have to find in the nickel roll. But 
I think he's going to struggle to start the, you know, mm-hmm. the, if he's if he's a starting corner and if he's going to start, it'll be at nickel. Here's where I can see him starting, Justin. We'll talk about role. Is if they want to play Julian Love on outside, who I think is very capable of being a good outside corner. Um, if DeAndre Baker was never drafted and we drafted Julian Love, I would be banging on the table for Julian Love to start outside corner last year. So Julian Love at outside and then Darnay Holmes in the nickel. The thing is, is I don't want to put Darnay Holmes in there too quickly. So I t- I kind of lean to Corey Ballantyne, who has potential has traits that I like on the outside, and then Julian Love in the nickel, where I think he can be like the top of the league at nickel, playing with versatility with him and McKinney doing some different types of things. So I lean that, and then we'll just give Holmes that time to grow. If it doesn't work, then like Ballantyne, you could throw him in halfway through the year. But I just this kid, I don't know. I think he'll have struggles to start the year. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, Bobby, I feel a lot of people who are listening to this, they're just looking at his height and his weight, and they're saying, oh, 5'10", 190, 195 pounds. You know, he sat at 192 at the Combine. Oh, well, that's the size to play an outside corner. He did it in college. Why are a bunch of people saying, and a bunch of analysts and a bunch of people saying that he should be playing slot corner? So the Giants need help at outside corner. Why can't Darnay Holmes play at outside corner? So, Bobby, I'll throw that to you. Because I have my own answer why Darnay Holmes can't play at outside corner. But um, I'll throw it to you to answer that question since you've watched a lot. Because I watched the film. And bigger guys were able to get off press, get past him, and he wasn't able to size up with them. Because of you know, one size. And, I mean, they just were able to body him off. I mean, go watch that Washington State. I think it's one of the first plays of the game. And that's against Wazoo. You know? Like, take that to the NFL. Um, they actually had a crazy comeback in that game. That was one of the few college football games I watched. It was a Saturday night at UCLA. Chip Kelly had a crazy comeback. <laughs> but if that's happening against Wazoo in the NFL, it's going to happen even more against these bigger wide receivers. Like a guy like Slayton would have a, a field day with him on the outside. So um, he's got the speed. He's got the agility. He's got the smarts. He does play smart. You know, Obviously, there's a lot more assets at the NFL level. So I'm fine playing him man coverage in the slot and stuff like that. That being said, when like teams like Allen, like want to put Allen Robinson in the slot, that's where you change things up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But he just doesn't have the size and the physicality to play on the outside, I don't believe. Are you concerned that teams might put their best receiver? Let's just say we're in a reality where Julian Love is cornerback number two, James Bradbury is cornerback number one, and we have to rely on Darnay Holmes at the slot rookie year. And again... You know, we're we're putting ourselves, the Giants are putting themselves in an unfortunate situation where just one spot in their secondary, it could be weak, but it could ruin the entire secondary. And that's unfortunate, but that's just how the NFL works. That's how good offenses operate. Bobby, are you concerned about the possibility that we could have a team's best wide receiver then putting him in the slot because they know Darnay Holmes is going to be there? Are you concerned about that possibility of the Giants getting burned in that regard? Well, if it's their best wide receiver, like like a speedster or something, I'm fine with it. But if, like the Packers and the Bears did um, last season, they put Devontae Adams or Allen Robinson in the slot, well, that's not on on Holmes. That's on the defensive. That was on James Betcher last year. That right. wasn't on, like, I didn't view that as like, oh, look at Corey Ballantyne. I view that as, look at James Betcher. Why do you have Denoris Jenkins not following this guy into the slot? So it's, it's just, that's a matter of scheme for me. That's not a, oh, like, Oh, Holmes is in the slot. We got to leave him there. That's when you, and Bradbury did this with Carolina, 
you pit Bradbury in the slot and you pit Holmes on the outside on whoever else is out there. Yeah. So that's why, yeah. as um, long as it's coached correctly, I, I don't, I don't really, uh, that doesn't bother me. That, and I'm with you. That last year was more of a better issue to me than it was a Ballantyne issue. And I'm with you. Um, I haven't really given thoughts on Holmes uh, from from my perspective, but from what I've seen and from what I've read, the good is good, the bad is bad. <laughs> and that's, that's way, what you're that's gonna get. That's that's what you're gonna get from corners. And you know, we're gonna hopefully see some good parts of Darnay Holmes' 2020 season. But we're also, and I'm just saying it right now, we're gonna we're gonna see bad. Corner's a very difficult position to adjust to. Um, Bobby, we were it's weakest spot of the team. <laughs> we were talking about with Dexter Lawrence, uh, uh, one of our last PPPs, about how transitioning from interior defensive line from college to the NFL, that's a difficult transition. But I even think it's harder for corner. Corner guys, is the toughest. Yeah. Besides Corner's just the toughest position to play in the NFL besides QB. Yeah. That's yeah, what it I'm really it comes down to. I'm with you. And factor all it in, like you just said, that it's the weakest positional group on the team right now because of Beal opting out. And especially Baker really hurts it. That really, really hurts. It's the it's the weakest positional spot on the team. Um, one of these guys, I I pretty much end almost every episode maybe saying rooting for your Darnay Holmes, but really emphasizing rooting for your Darnay Holmes. Really, here's my thing with Holmes. If he struggles, don't panic, don't freak out. No. Like, give it some time. I mean, go look at James Bradbury's rookie year. He was bad. I remember that first game because they got rid of Norman, and I think Julio Jones had over 300 yards. It was either the first, second, or whatever. It was like the first time the Panthers were on. Actually, no, that's not true because they played the Broncos on that opening night. But they were playing against Simmons. But I remember that first game against the Falcons. It may have been week three that Julio Jones had like 290 receiving yards. And Bradbury got destroyed that game. But it was his rookie season. So, And now look at where Bradbury is now. So give the guy a chance. Um, you know, It's not going to be pretty if he's out there starting. And if it is, then, hey, I'll be the happiest person to be wrong about that. Yep. So we appreciate you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Should I just, should I just break it now? I mean, I might break as well. It. We got Arch Stapleton on the show tomorrow. Finally, we've been trying to get him on for a long time. So Arch's going to be on the show. We're going to do some other stuff. Talk Sam Beal, blah, 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 blah. Until then, let's go Big Blue.